Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I feel like I have to apologize for the gospel lesson this morning. I had hoped that with today being Rally Sunday, we could have started with a more uplifting text, one that brings us some encouragement. But sadly, we are faced with somewhat of an ironic situation of hearing word filled with judgment and condemnation. And upon hearing it, we all responded by saying, thanks be to God. Now, I don't blame you if Luke 15 is one of your least favorite passages. Now, it's not Psalm 137, unspeakable violence bad, but it is up there. There's a roughness, a rudeness, Frankly, a complete lack of appreciation in the words of Jesus. And the thing is, it always seems to happen around food. You ever notice that? This isn't the first time that Jesus has said some fairly shocking things around the dinner table. The prohibition against religion and politics notwithstanding. For example, there was that time that Luke records for us in chapter 7. Simon, apparently a pretty amicable Pharisee, invites Jesus to dinner. But Jesus is more interested in the sinful woman who showed up without an invite than he is in engaging with his host and his guests. And then in chapter 14, the Pharisees give him another chance and invite him to dinner once again, only to be criticized. Something about the seating arrangements being unfair and the guest list too well healed. Again, if it were up to me, we would have talked about something else. But sometimes sticking with the lectionary helps us face harsh words that we would rather avoid. So it is that we come face to face this morning with the parable of the neglected 99 and the disregarded coin. Luke records beginning at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, that is Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Why is it that when Christians speak of the lost, they are almost always referring to those outside of the church? This phrase is especially used when talking about mission and evangelism. The church is said that it ought to seek the lost. To be missional is to focus our efforts beyond the walls of the church. To foster a zeal for the lost. That our hearts would feel burdens for the lost, etc. The phrase, however, is used pretty infrequently in the Scriptures. In the New Testament, it's largely used here in this passage, and then in a summary statement at Zacchaeus' house. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 
Now, I think we can certainly agree with the view that Christians need to gaze upward and outward to those who are hurting, to those who need to hear the Gospel. Too often the church gets stuck looking inward, directing all of its efforts toward the self-sufficiency of its own community. Rather than seeking and seeing those who live outside it. We, you and I, are called to live a sacrificial, self-emptying life. Looking always to those who are in need. To those who are suffering. To those who are, well, lost. It's just that we often draw the line in a strange and maybe dangerous place. We need to remember why Jesus is telling these parables. These parables are the answer or response to the grumbling of the Pharisees and scribes who are offended that Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. And so the lost in the parable, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, are clearly these people who are drawing near to Jesus to hear Him. These tax collectors and sinners whose repentance brings joy into the heavenly places. And so who are the neglected 99? Who are those Jesus leaves behind? They are the righteous persons who need no repentance. They are the pious and the pastors of the first century Palestine. The Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, of course. Those who grumble against Jesus' association with the lost. These parables are said to condemn them. To make their grumbling stick in their throats. And so think on this. The line between the lost sheep and the 99, the lost coin and the nine, is not between Christians and non-Christians. Between the church and those outside the church. In our Old Testament reading, our Lord says in verse 17, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep. The line is set between those who draw near to hear Jesus who repent, those who need Jesus, those with whom Jesus chooses to have fellowship, and those who have no need of Him. Those who have no need of Jesus, who don't repent and are secure in their own righteousness. And I think we make a grave error when we speak as though that line obviously and simply divides members from non-members. It is a strange ecclesiology. Perhaps a profoundly arrogant one that asserts that we can know who is in and who is out of the church. That we can identify the lost and those who are found. And in fact, Jesus continually challenges any attempt to label and categorize people for the sake of governing our attitudes toward them whether good or bad. So earlier in Luke, when the lawyer asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? 
Jesus wouldn't allow him to use the label on others and decide in advance who is in and who is excluded from the command to love. Instead, through the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus answered, you are. You go and do likewise. You go and be the neighbor so that everyone is an object of love. Drawing the line becomes even more dangerous when I forget that in a certain sense, the line runs right through me. Sometimes I want to draw near and hear Jesus and sit at His feet. Sometimes I am distracted by my service, anxious and troubled by a great many things, save the one thing needful, that good portion. Sometimes I am as giddy as Zacchaeus because my Lord with His typical lack of etiquette and impertinence has invited Himself over to my house and He has brought with Him Salvation as a housewarming gift. But other times, I'd rather duck and hide. As Adam and Eve did in the garden. When I hear Him coming and pretend that I don't hear His voice calling, where are you? Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. Now there's your line. Two lines, really. Two lines intersecting. Suspended between heaven and earth. That's the cross for the world. Where all roads lead and all lines find their end and die. At the foot of the cross, we too lose our life and we are found in the life of another, our Lord Jesus. The church must always begin here and let the lines of the cross redefine everything. Remake everything. And only in this way can we really begin to witness then to the world, to He who is the good news. I'd like to share with you this morning an excerpt from William Ng's novel, My Son is a Splendid Driver. The story takes place during the Great Depression era, and it's about a dignified woman who is referred to as mother throughout the book. And she's living in a small town, but she's had some tragic events happen to her and to her family. But they have also brought upon her great guilt and shame. So here it is from the book. Every morning on the front porch, we could see Mrs. Holt leave her house and start for the Catholic Church on her way to Mass. She doesn't miss a day, Mother observed. There was a dedication about the woman that always gave us pause. I wish I had a God to pray to now. Mother sometimes said. But I don't seem to be able to find him. Mother had stopped going to church. 
Church isn't the place to go with your troubles. Church is just a place to go when you are feeling good and have a new hat to wear. There was a little bitterness in what she said. A little self-pity. But there was also truth. Our minister would have been the last person in the world she could have talked to to have lifted the curse she felt upon her and save her from feeling damned. She would have embarrassed the man speechless had she gone to him with her story. He would have been unable to look at her and or my father without coloring. You see, when we start deciding who is lost and who is not, the danger is the church ceases to become a place for sinners. Because inevitably, it will be a place for the rehabilitated who now feel pretty good on this side of the line. But when you and I are overcome, when we are overcome by grace, when we are overcome by God's riches at Christ's expense, by the sheer gift of it all, the daily, undeserved, unmerited love of our Lord Jesus, then we have an overwhelming sense that we can stand alongside of the world, not over against it as an other. And bear witness to this Jesus who has come only for sinners. Sinners like you and like me. Only then will the world be able to look at the church and see in our midst truly this man receives sinners and even eats with them. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding Guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.